Hi all, and welcome to Prepare Like a Pro live chats. My name is Jack McLean. I created Prepare Like a Pro early in the year, and I'm a strength and conditioning coach working with male and female footballers all over the country structuring their strength and conditioning training programs, off-season programs, and as well as season training. So if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, feel free to head over to my website, preparelikeapro.com, and also download free training programs and trial out my programs from there. I'd like to welcome Damien Carroll, who will be joining us this evening. For those who don't know DC, he's an experienced coach and a dual premiership VFL player for the Casey, formerly Springvale VFL team. He has plenty of coaching experience over his 15-year career in coaching. He started at Bomb Beach, which is a local uh, footy team in Melbourne. He's coached the Gippsland Power, and he's a VFL premiership coach for the Box Hill Hawks, premiership assistant coach for Hawthorne Football Club, so really excited to catch up with DC and discuss his progression in coaching as well as what he was doing before coaching with his teaching background and as well as he was a head of sport. So I'll just bring DC. More recently, DC has been head of development for Hawthorne Football Club and has just, or well, BJ's joined us, and has just uh, been appointed head of development at the Collingwood Football Club. Welcome, mate. Thanks for joining us. Hey, mate, I got it working. I uh, realised I probably needed a shave, mate. It's coming up a little bit too too thick the growth here, but how are you going? Oh, you got the pies look, the salt and pepper. Got the pies look, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, um, mate. Take Great. us back to the beginning. When, when did, how old were you when you decided to take on coaching? And was Bomb Beach your first coaching role? Yeah, it was. It was my first official coaching role. But look, to be honest, mate, I think probably around as a youngster growing up, I, I started to sort of realise I wanted to have a career in sport. And so firstly for me, it was about trying to, trying to uh, make it in the grade, whether that was uh, cricket or footy. And, and then I really got um, excited about, I suppose, uh, sport and phys ed when I was sort of in year 11 and 12 and wanted to be a PE teacher. And yeah, that was really my first look into coaching, to be honest. I didn't, didn't do any sort of official coaching of juniors or anything like that before then. But look, my last year at Springvale, I became an assistant coach. And it was an interesting year. We didn't have a coach until appointed until uh, January. It was, it was very unusual. We had a late scratching. Ken Sheldon coached and our alignment with St Kilda fell over and the guy had to, had to take the pre-season. And yeah, I was probably sort of looking at more the, the conditioning side, the, the side oh, that you awesome. yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a lot of pre-season. But yeah, look, late towards the end of that pre-season, they said, look, would you like to be a, a playing assistant? And then I think I had one more year actually after that at Springvale and then went into the local coaching. But local coaching is, is very difficult when you're playing. And I, my four years there, I was a playing coach. I would right. have liked, probably had a, had a go at coaching at Bomb Beach without being a playing coach, but that, that wasn't to be. I was lucky to get an opportunity at Gippsland Power and then, yeah, headed off on the, the off-field coaching journey, mate. So, yeah, it's yeah, been a fantastic. good Fantastic. Yeah, so, so you had an interest in working as coach before that, opportunity with Springvale where there was where you sort of had to pick up the slack and help out the club that was there was already an interest there yeah there was and look when you so I was at a couple of different schools along the journey when I was finished my course I, I was at a school called Mount Scopus sport teacher in teams that was your job yeah. and assigned in Warrigal second year I was there I was sports coordinator because you get thrown into those jobs when there's only two or three PE teachers so you end up coaching so many teams and 
to be honest, that Mazenod when I was director of sport, I, I sort of stayed away from the footy coaching. We had enough people who wanted to do that. So yeah, I was getting more involved with the, you know, cross country coaching, also, you know, basketball and you know, even things such as oh, table and uh, obviously phys ed lessons so I to prepare and and be ready for you know the skills component so i think all that was was a good background to to getting into coaching and obviously sort of helped with different skills that you need as part of your coaching journey absolutely yeah and did was there someone that mass you know was a big influence of you early days during or you know during your yeah. coaching development or was there sort of just a array of different people that you got exposed to through your career yeah, I think for me, upon reflection, there, there probably was. I mean, even it's interesting. I my my dad was one of my first coaches, and he coached us a lot. And he 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 played. He played some, you know, which is obviously AFL now. Back, uh, back in the day, just the season at Fitzroy, but he he went on his own coaching journey around the the countryside. But even when he was a bank manager, he'd come and coach our school footy team. And so, look, probably reflection, but. Yeah, I just, I, I really close, I found with teachers who had similar interests. And so my grandfather, who's a tennis coach, actually, and he's he's still coaching now, a guy called Phil Shanahan up in Albury. He's, you know, he's 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 sort of got this academy that, that he still works as a teacher, but he was a great coach and sort of inspired me to participate in, in sport. And then if I looked along the journey, I had so many good football coaches at, at Springvale and, and they all, I think I was able to, to grab a little bit from all of them, even though you've got to be your own person, I think as a coach, it's it's really important to be yourself and coach your your own way and sure. establish. Method. But to be honest, I I just look back now and I I feel like I was exposed to a lot of different personalities and the way they went about it. And I think we had I think in the four premierships at Springvale, we had three different coaches. So it's sort of oh. you know I was exposed actually to a lot of really strong leadership from player groups as well within that organization as much as those coaches were fantastic as well so yeah a lot of different people made and i still am learning you know i learn off everyone even to this day the, the different people you you sort of get exposed to and obviously a lot at, at hawthorne not just in the coaching front but a number of people you can just pick up you can pick up something from everyone really Absolutely. And obviously the development space is something that you've really owned and, and headed up development programs at, at the AFL level in more recent years. Was that something that you attracted or was that somewhere where, the, where you sort of you know, decided to go down that path during your coaching career or is that something that found you? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think in reflection, probably, probably something I always felt more suited to and even working with the the younger age groups at, at school situations was something that, you know, I, I really enjoyed watching their growth and watching their journey. And so I suppose even when I started at Gippsland Power, the, the coaching numbers weren't too high in the AFL. I didn't have any expectation of getting into the AFL. It was a little bit of a, a journey with the with my wife and I think we were expecting our, our first child that first year. We sort of went into it with, look, we've had a good go at teaching. We'll, we'll go and um, experience life in, in Warrigal and once I got in there and working with those young players, I really loved it. And, and then that opportunity came at the end of the second year. And yeah, definitely, mate, for me, the first four years was, was all about the, the youngsters in the, in the club and then enough to get an opportunity as an assistant. But yeah, I, I really felt, yeah, I, I think for me, one of the greatest things is watching that young player get their first game. I really feel it's yeah. something you, you enjoy. And for me, I've always loved the journey. 
of watching those players sort of, you know, step up and, and fulfil for some of them a childhood dream. And yeah, I think that's where I've probably been best suited as well in my coaching. And I think that's important. Yeah. Sort Absolutely. of a lot. And uh, coaching with, with Winksar. So yeah, we'll see where that goes in the next stage. Yeah, it's super exciting, mate. And uh, there'd be a lot of younger, you know, sort of your 15, 16, up to 19-year-old developing footballers watching this. Is there a trend, whether it be mindset, physical, that you've noticed over your experience where you get pretty excited when you, with your, whether it be the first training session you watch a kid yeah. train or first game where you see him play, oh, oh, this guy's got a lot of potential or, or it might be the first chat you have with him or... Is there, is there trends that you see or is it just sort of everyone's a little bit individual and some people surprise you along the way? And Yeah. Um, what, yeah what, think, what would you sort of say to developing players to yeah, just I think, focus on? Yeah, I think for me, even when they get into AFL level, but particularly with kids, you know, young kids, we can be really quite poor at talent identification. There's so many, there's so much room for growth in all of us and particularly, you know, for coaches of under 10s, 11 players out there and, and, you know, up to probably even under 15s, I think that once you start talking their limitations, it really becomes um, quite common for them to believe those things and, and that can be an issue. And my, what I've learned, even in my mind, I've made judgments about people that, that, that can be wrong and I think you just really have to be conscious of what, is coming out of your mouth and your language with players and and really trying to work with what they want to improve on and and and, and really sit down with them and understand why they're doing it and there there is quite a few things i think that you can then put in place to to assist them with their progress but yeah what i've learned is you you know that with having that growth mindset that is mm. obviously something you know, improved in not just footy, but I, I really think that, you know, you can see, especially in footy when there's 18 positions and so many different players that, you know, that those players that, that want to really buy into the mental aspect and, and improve and have that intent, you know, can certainly get places for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, for guys that, you know, feel like there's a lot of areas of their game they need to develop to get to where they want to, yes. how would you work with those guys? Do you focus on one particular attribute until they've got to that to a, to a point do you do you focus on three like what, how do you go about developing a player uh, that comes to you and wants to improve yeah. themselves i think um probably for jack i think i've even gone through this journey that often when you're at a especially an afl club there's there's so much about what you can get better at and i think that the first thing that i would be saying is what are your strengths and how can you maximize those to to be the best possible in those areas firstly so i'd actually be looking at probably a more a strength-based coaching first and saying well you know this is why you were drafted and for any young players drafted i'm i'm really probably trying to present a message that you know don't don't try and be a six out of six or seven out of ten on everything have something that you can hang your hat on and, and be an eight or nine out of ten and 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 really strive to be the best you can in that area i think you i think it's really important it's really quite hard and draining to come every day and, and just work on your weaknesses i will touch on on those areas but you know i, I think it's it's I, I did if you don't mind me sharing a story but i, I was yeah, definitely marcus buckingham is quite a well-known author and he's got some books around strength coaching and and he spoke about lionel messi who was looking at you know, he was getting frustrated as an early teen and, and probably going to leave the sport and head back um, home and, and, and play in Argentina and just not be the player he was, but, you know, develop there. But he had yeah. a coach earned 
the perception on his head of, of being better at your right foot, being a left footer. Or he, I think I'm not sure actually. I'm not a soccer foot, but, but he actually I think he is left footer. Yeah, Lionel Messi's left footer. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of soccer players are probably four to one on their preferred four kicks. You know, or, or they obviously need skills on both sides of their body, but. What he did, he's actually a 10 to 1. So he's become that good on his preferred side and he does things that, you know, you can't actually look at and physically think you can do. But yeah. and I think it's a good example for I'll say, well, what, how can you enhance it? All these coaches telling him, you know, you've got to get better at this, you've got to get better at this, and he's arguably the best ever player to have played the game. So you know players, I know players that probably would only be as good as some country players Metro players in a particular area, but they do have standouts in other areas of AFL footy. And I think that, again, you know, I want to emphasize that point that really make sure yeah. that you spend time and work on those. And then there's those other areas that I suppose they're the, the areas of your role in the team that you need to get better at, that the, the, the coaches need to see, that your other teammates need to see, that if you haven't got those areas and in time into those areas that um, may affect you getting a game as good as you are. So, I think that working and balancing on, on doing both is, is critical, but yep. um, not trying to spread yourself too thin on work on five or six weaknesses at any time, just trying to really probably use people around you, and whether yeah. that's a strengthening coach for some area that you want to improve on, or whether it's one of your, your coaches at your club, and really try to, to, to get a bit of a plan and, and an action on how you can get better in those areas. Yeah, okay, fantastic. And, and like a takeaway message, so if there's like 20 minutes at the end of training, would a player focus 15 minutes on their strength and five minutes topping up a weakness or what would be a way yeah. that they could? Yeah, I think that could vary a little bit. I mean, if you, we often sort of operate in obviously the shim last week, what happened and, and you might feel like you need a bit more practice in a certain area because you're going into a game and you want a bit more confidence on ground balls, so you spend a bit longer on that. But I think... I think it's important as a, as a player to probably not so much look at the time, look at getting the reps, but also your mindset when you're doing those things I think is critical. And mm. can you actually incorporate them at top speed during training, you know, that replicates what the game is? One of the things that's really hard to measure, Jack, is your, your improvement in your individual development plans or your improvement in a certain area. And it can be a lag effect. Obviously, sometimes you can be working hard on something and it doesn't come out in your, you know, your next performance. So mm. what I say is that probably every couple of months, just ask other people around you, are you improving? See if there's any stats that can back that up. And, but then also look at what activities you're doing. And you might need to change the activities that you're working on. Again, yeah. Not so much the amount of time, but, you know, I think, you know, the type of activity is replicating what the game is, you know, and, and that's where it's, it, it can be really difficult to, to measure some of this stuff. But mm. I think with your point, though, even doing a little bit at the end of training is often, you know, really good for your mind and your mindset to, to go in, you know, but you could, you could flip it and try and get before training and, and do some of that stuff. Or as I said, if, you, if it's goal kicking, can you sneak down and get a shot for goal? before you get back in with your group and listen yeah, to the coach yeah. and those things. Even at level where you can be going to training with a real focus on what you want to get better at and sort of give yourself a tick at the end of the training session on whether you've actually been able to practice that. That's fantastic. So it's not necessarily adding more to your, to your routine. It's just the quality and the mindset of what you are already doing at training. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. 
might have been rats or I know Isaac used it a bit, but, you know, less more often. It was actually a good method, just sort of little um, stints of it and, and really varying up. So even with something like goal kicking, not having, you know, 10 or 12 shots from exactly the same spot either, you'll get better in practice at that. But, you know, varying up your position where that shot for goal is and then you don't get on autopilot. You actually have to establish a different focus and a different position and a different regime, which, you know, is, is something that I think is really important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, fantastic, mate. And is there like a massive amount of change or growth that you've seen football over your career at the highest level? Is it have you seen a lot of, a lot change, or is it more so the way things are done, like that philosophy you're talking about now, like the quality of things and the mindset of things are just done better as the game's yeah. grown, or has there been different methods to uh, to development? Yeah, things have changed and, and and developed, and I feel. You know, we monitor things fairly closely now, but what I really think, to me, the conversations between players is, is just so critical. And I think that it's really important that, that, that those are maintained. And I think they've always been the key to, to good coaching. Might have been going to touch on this later, but to me, the best players, they're actually still the best coaches of themselves and they develop themselves and they, they, they almost have a mindset of, of coming every day and, and getting better and trying to improve. And they might need a little bit of guidance or the environment around them, but, you know, they definitely, you know, come with that mindset and, and purpose and they're able to switch off. So, you know, Hodgie, Mitchell, Buddy Franklin, these guys, hugely competitive at training and hugely competitive in life. <laughs> Anything that you, you know, you try to knock them off with, they'll sort of come back hard, as you would have noticed in the warm-up room there with, with a few of those guys. For but sure. they, they coach themselves, themselves. I mean, I've said to Sam, and he's, he's a good example, you know, he would, we'd have video review when I was midfield coach, we'd have video review at eight o'clock on the Tuesday morning. And as a coach, you're actually late at the club on the Monday because you're starting to work on the opposition. But if it got to quarter to eight, I wasn't there, even though video review started at eight and he was always, in, he'd, he'd often get the message. He like, uh, you know, 15 minutes of PC is like 10 minutes late. So he, he'd, <laughs> you know, feel the pressure of getting, you know, and he's probably understanding a little bit how, how hard that was after that Monday nights. And but look, you know, well he'd come into the the coach's room and he might he might even throw a rebounder down and say, "What are you coaches doing on the computer?" So I think Scrimmer's just joined there. So Scrimmer, make sure you keep that one in mind and when you see Mitch on the computer. But look, yeah, he made you work. And for me, the best players they coach themselves and they think of activities that will get them better. They push themselves to their limits. They're competitive training. And they have really high standards of themselves and others around them. And for me, even working with someone like Mitch, I sat down with him and he was at, towards the end, I think he was probably as midfield coach, I think I was 30, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't 30, I was in the 40s, but Mitch was 32. And he, yeah. I said, coach, and he said, just show me what I've done wrong and I'll work it <clears> out. And I was going, that's rap. I was wrapped with that. Now, some people would go, oh, cocky, <laughs> that's a bit cocky, you know, like you've got a coach there, but. I think as coaches, if we just tell them everything, they don't actually learn the way. They've got to work it out for themselves. And he reached the point in his career where his philosophy was he had to work it out and want to see certain things about his game. But, yeah, and sometimes you can't. That just takes time in the system. And staying in the system for a period of time will we'll learn those things and place a price on it. I think it's really important that they you know, use senior players to develop and, and other players within the, you know, their local clubs and other coaches and so forth as well. Without, I know this is a long answer. Yeah. Also, no, it's good. 
you can't have too many voices as well in your footy that can be yeah. that can through the year levels and and you've suddenly got you know your parents telling you one thing about how you're playing and then your assistant coach and then your head coach and then your your school coach and then you so it can become quite cluttered at times which is what not what you want when you're going out there to play absolutely and on that like with those players that you've worked with that have had such great careers and they they sort of it sounds like it was a real two-way relationship with you is there something that you've learned with from them from those guys like is there and that, that you now use either in your next role at, at collingwood or in your coaching or yeah, yeah. Is there things that they've taught you along the way as well as you you've taught them yeah well i think there's i mean there's, you know technical tactical stuff that you learn from players because they're out on the ground and they you know the video is 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 quite easy to sit and you learn their thinking you learn the situation and that's all a part of it but learned an enormous amount from from players I, I i would think i've learned more from not just senior players but from young players than than i've been able to you know give to them as well i think as i think it probably what i've learned as well and it's probably not coming through tonight but is to sort of not not talk as much as well and, and try and listen listen to try not to feel like you have to impart your method onto them actually get them to do will help them learn but yeah, I, I I continue to learn from from them. I, there's so many resources now as well, Jack. Like with yeah. podcasts and things and that. And I, I think that's great. And I do a lot of that. But I think you've also got to be a bit careful because sometimes you need to apply that information and and, and not just read it. So mm. we often know a lot now, but you know, knowing is one thing. But then able to being able to execute it and do it is is another thing. And I think that's where you you take all these things on and then try and see what works for you. You know, I've, I've seen how you operate in the gym and it feels like you're a real coach and you listen to the player and give them the time. And I think that's how their athletes want to be, you know, coach now. You trying to coach like someone else or me trying to coach like Alistair Clarkson or whoever it is, you know, it's, it's just about buying into your own method. And I think as you get older, mate, you, um, like me, you, you do feel comfortable in your skin to, to be yourself. I think someone like Chris Fagan sort of is coaching. He's quite comfortable now and, and really matter about the external noise in his position. Yeah, fantastic. Awesome, mate. At that stage, guys, if, if you've been watching, which I know there's a few that have joined us throughout this last sort of 20 minutes, don't just let me take all the time with DC and, and ask him the questions. Feel free to press through your questions by hitting the bottom question mark and that will come straight through to us and yeah we're happy to answer your questions as well so shoot them through what what are you most looking forward to in 2021 mate i know you've got a new appointment now as as head of yeah. development at collingwood football club which is super exciting mate and congratulations on that role um, yeah you. what are you most excited about for for 21 yeah i think i think that'll be one of the things i've try to get a bit more balance now with some not so much goals but personal and professional and for me professionally obviously a new opportunity 10 years at one club um, is a long time so for me to get out and, and see a different club and experience different people you know i had a, a great time at horth obviously it's it's good to sort of see how a different club operates across the whole club and yeah just just personally i'm just looking forward to seeing the kids get back into some of their activities and, and, you know, sort of find that balance for myself, getting back to, you know, work and, and family. I've been lucky this year to be to be home quite a bit. So, sorry, mate, the screen cut off then here. Looking forward to back on. 
yeah, that's I'm sure the the goals might change a little bit into January and, and Feb when I'm, I'm sort of settled in. For sure. And is the role very similar to Hawthorne? So Manning the Academy, first to four year boys, do you want to explain a little bit to the guys that, that don't know what head of development means? Yeah, I think it is. I've got a meeting tomorrow that I'll I'll find out a little bit more. I suppose and coaches years at AFL clubs going to six. So I suppose there will be a little bit different. And I, I feel like already, even in the, the interview, that there's probably, you know, a, a chance, but also a need to, to be across a few areas. So whether that's sure. training coordinator, whether that's, you know, sort of some coach education stuff with them, yep. which is part of what I've done at Hawthorne, you know, helping their VFL uh, coaches develop. and But primarily, I'd imagine it's their younger players' development, but also I think... As we've sort of looked at at Hawthorne, I think the ability to develop not just your young guys, but have a, a development philosophy across your whole list, I think is is pretty important as well. So yeah, I'll find out a little bit more, but yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah sort of getting into to see the the young guys before Christmas, and then the old older ones, or so everyone else is back on the first of oh no, the sixth of Jan, I think it is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. leave it. We've, we've spent a fair bit on, on developing players and, and you've dropped some, some great gems for, for the young footballers watching. What, what about you've had a fantastic celebrated coaching career? What, what would you, I guess, what would you say to you 15 years ago when you were starting out, finishing up playing at, at Casey and what would be your advice? Yeah, don't, don't worry about the, uh, <laughs> don't, don't think you're, you can change everything. I, I think initially... You need mentors, so you need people to to sort of support you. Whether I think you need some within the club you work at and some outside the club. So I think at Bomb Beach, I I sort of tried to do it myself, and I, I still remember one night when I was I must have been I think we gave up like a massive lead against Mornington. <laughs> I was like, uh, even th- talking about it now, I feel bad. And it's, uh, <laughs> they never go away, I, hey. <laughs> I, I think I was that night, and I must have been um, staring at the ceiling and sort of doing some sort of like, you know, and my wife said, what are you doing? Like, and I'm, I must have been going through my mind. And she said, look, you're not a puppeteer. You can't pull all the strings. And it's, it's probably one of the best bits of advice I've had. I, you know, I realized you, you just can't control everything. And, you know, and, and even my first couple of years at Box Hill, I, I think I was trying to do, you know, everything. You're trying to know the opposition so well. You're trying to be across your list of 45, 50 players, especially then when there was development squads. And, the last year I coached, and we were fortunate enough to win the, the premiership, and this definitely wasn't the reason, but I would have done less work and was just a lot fresher in them. And I think when you're in front of the players as much as you are, you've, you've got to be fresh, you've got to be upbeat, and you've got to sell hope and you know, have good leadership. And I, I think that, yeah, that would be my advice, is just to, to make, you know, you can always do more. As, you can, as I said, you can watch more vision of the opposition, you can, you know, plan more, you can prepare more, but ultimately, you know, there's a lot you still can't control. And I think if you can, you know, keep it in its and, and then have your balance with your family life and be present, yeah, yeah. I think that as a coaching journey. Yeah, fantastic. That's great advice, mate. Well, if there's any questions, guys, shoot them. Otherwise, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up. Thank you for joining me tonight, mate. It was a really, really yeah. good chat and... For those that missed out, I'll, I'll make sure I post it in a week's time and, and get more people watching this recording because it's been really invaluable listening to your, your story throughout your career but also stories through your coaching journey and, and how that's uh, impacted to where you're at today going over to the pies. So, um, Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up there. But Stuff, mate. Enjoy. Well done on all the work you're doing too and 
yeah, obviously anyone out there that's that's working with you is is lucky to to have you on board and certainly keep up to date with all your posts and that. You're one of the social media gurus at the moment. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm learning heaps. Talk about learning. <laughs> yeah, for anyone, Jack is uh, you know a terrific coach because he displays empathy and he he shows real care and he knows his stuff. So. Um, well done for organising all these sessions, mate. Uh, thanks. Thanks, DC. Means a lot. Thanks for coming on. All right. See you, mate. See you soon. Cheers, mate. Catch up.